Welcome to episode 51 of the Chewy on Your Boot podcast, and we've got another fantastic episode for you today as we bring you none other than former Brisbane Lions great and AFL Hall of Famer, Simon Black. Simon played 322 games for the Lions and was part of the highly successful era that saw them win three premierships in a row in 2001, 2002 and 2003. He also enjoyed profound personal success throughout his career, winning a Brownlow in 2002 and a Smith medal in 2003, as well as being a three-time All-Australian. We chat all things premierships, Brownlows and norms, Survivor and plenty more. We really enjoyed this one and we hope you do as well. Just before we do get into it, I'd like to extend a big thank you to our good friends at Kremlin Clothing for their ongoing support of us. Make sure you go check them out on Instagram, at Kremlin, or use the link in our bio. Get on their website and get yourself some new clothes. Use the code BENM10 for a 10% discount. So make sure you go and do that, and let's get into it. Simon, welcome to the Chewy On Your Boot podcast. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Ben. Thanks, Riley. Pleasure to be with you guys. Thank you. Take us back to your childhood, being born in Mount Isa in Queensland before moving to WA at a young age. Yeah, Ben, look, I, I mean, I, I'm a bit of a fraud in that regard. I, I was born in Mount Isa, but I didn't spend long there. I was maybe 12 or 18 months, um, I think it was, and then we moved to Perth. So um, people call me a Queenslander, but I feel more of a West Australian um, than a Queenslander, even though I've probably spent more time in, in Queensland now than I have in WA. But, however, um, yeah, look, I, I grew up in Perth and um, my dad was a Kiwi and, uh, and actually played rugby union before I played Aussie Rules. Um, and uh, yeah, so I guess I gravitated towards Aussie Rules being down to school in Perth and my friends and whatever playing the game. So that's how I got into Aussie Rules initially. But um, yeah, well, as I said, I played rugby union and I've always enjoyed rugby union. I even enjoy watching it on telly these days as well. And you mentioned footy. When were you, what are your earliest memories of footy and when did you start dreaming of a career in the AFL? Um, I think it was probably about nine when I started, Riley, and um, played for Bull Creek Leaming. And my brother was two years old, he's two years older than me and, and he was playing before me. And so I sort of joined in, followed his footsteps. And, um, and just like I was one of those kids, I guess, that just always had a footy in his hand always carried a ball around, always just kicked in the backyard and inside the house, much to mum's uh, disgust. Um, and uh, yeah, just sort of just loved, loved to grew the, grew to love the game um, from a very young age. And, and to be honest, pretty much all sports, you know, I played a lot of basketball and soccer and rugby, as I mentioned, and little athletics and love the ocean and things. So, um, but yeah, footy sort of became, and I guess Bull Creek, I mean, it's had a lot of, you know, a lot of, um, I guess AFL players, yeah, that, that went on from the club to go and play in the AFL. Ben Cousins, obviously a, a well-known player from uh, from that footy club. Um, the Car Boys, Matt and Josh Carr and Reese Palmer and Jonathan Hay and um, Gary Kibbutzen, I believe. There's, yeah, there's quite, I think there's quite a list I've probably forgotten now as well. But uh, yeah, it was a really good breeding ground for, um, for junior footy. And at 15, you suffered a back injury that kept you out of football for 18 months. How tough a period was this for you going through a significant injury so young and not being able to do something, something you loved? And did it impact your development at all, at all at the time? Jeez, Ben, you've done your homework, mate, haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, look, it did. Yeah, I mean, at that age, I was um, one of those kids that sort of was, I guess, 16, you're sort of starting to take your footy somewhat seriously, I guess. And um, um, I remember it being, there being a state 
uh, team I could have played for in that year, like a national carnival, and I could have represented WA, but I, I had to step out because of my, my back complaint. So I was, I guess, a bit worried at the time, so I just didn't know how long it was going to last for. Um, so, yeah, I was a little bit rattled um, at that stage, but um, fortunately it was only about 12 or 18 months, and then I got healthy again, and away I went. But my back's, my back's been an issue um, all throughout my life. Of, of you know, during my playing days at the Lions, I was on the physio table three or four days a week just to get freed out through my hips and, and, and lower back and whatever you just to um, you know, stay supple, I guess. Um, so my back's just a, a management thing I've always had. But yeah, it was a challenging period when I was 15 or 16, that's for sure. And did you feel like going through this at such a young age held you in good stead when you were battling injuries during your AFL career? Um, yeah, I, I did. I mean, it, it taught me about professionalism. And, you know, I, I had episodes with my back where I, I actually couldn't, I'd, I'd lock up and I'd sort of almost be like a, my back would be like a plank of wood where I just like, I could hardly move. So I, I learned that if I uh, if I didn't stretch properly, I didn't you know the old trigger balls to throw your hips and glutes and um, hip flexors posterior chain. I guess it's the part of the body. If that wasn't um, supple, then I, yeah, I was a chance of of really locking up. So I learned the value of you know just those sorts of things and stretching every night before bed and. When I wake up in the morning and those little things that were the difference to me being able to continually get on the paddock and train and, and then play on the weekends. And back to your junior years, in 97, you had a big year representing WA and earning the All-Australian selection at the National Champs. How do you reflect on your draft year? Yeah, right. Well, I, I mean, it was a year that I was about trying to make the WA state team um, as an 18-year-old uh, to... Um, you know, to go and play in the, the old Teal Cup, they used to call it back then. And um, actually, I think our year might have been the first year of the 18s Nationals or something they called it. But anyway, um, yeah, it was, I mean, I was one of those kids that was just happy to make the WA team. Um, it was the first time I'd made, made the WA team and to go over to, to Melbourne and, um, you know, play big metro, big country in South Australia. Um, we, I think we won two out of the three games. We lost to Vic Metro at Waverley. It was like the coldest day in 20 years in Melbourne. It was snowing in the Dandenong Ranges, they reckon. It was um, some of the boys didn't want to get out of the change rooms and run onto the ground. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a wonderful experience and um, uh, yeah, loved it. That was one of my greatest footy memories going away um, as a young fella to represent my state. And um, I think we came runners up to, to Vic Metro and, and, you know, went to play against a lot of guys that went on and, you know, played a lot of footy in the AFL too. So um, Luke Powell was a player that played for Vic Metro and Shane O'Brew that ended up getting drafted to the Lions with. And, um, yeah, it was pretty cool to sort of, you know, be able to play against them and then become your teammates for a while too. It was awesome. And come draft um, night, you were taken with pick 31 by the Brisbane Lions. Talk us through your emotions when you heard your name read out and how did you deal with the prospect of moving away from home? Yeah, but I, I mean, I was absolutely stoked, but I was also a bit... Um, it was a bit of a uh, mixed emotions in that, you know, I was pretty well looked after at home, I must admit. And I was a big West Coast fan and West Coast and, and Frio, the three WA clubs. And so I um, I was hopeful of, of, you know, staying in Perth. And so that was a little bit, oh, wow, okay, I've got to pack up and, and move to the other side of the country. So that was a bit, um, uh, it sort of got me a little bit emotionally, um, took a couple of days to get my head around it. But um, once you do and, you, you know, I, I came across, it was, it was pretty smooth sailing. The clubs look after you and help you settle in really well. Um, but that day, yeah, it was really, wow, well, okay. Um, you know, our family, our family unit won't be the same. 
um, you know, I'll, I'll be leaving home. So it's certainly a bit of a shell shock um, getting used to that uh, mentally. Um, and I remember, you know, we were, we were pretty emotional about it, but at the same time, it was something I'd, you know, a dream come true. I'd worked pretty hard for throughout my teenage years and to get the opportunity was, um, I was extremely fortunate because I, I really, I was one of those guys that didn't think I was going to get drafted until um, there was only really talk of it after the under 18 national championships. And up until that point, it was sort of, I wasn't really in the mix, I don't think. So um, I was lucky for the under 18 championships, I think. And you impressed in your first pre-season at the Lions, you were rewarded with a round one debut. What do you remember about your first game? Uh, I remember being on the sidelines uh, on the bench, starting on the bench. And, um, you know, you spent a bit more time on the bench back then and in 98. And uh, I remember just being terrified, really. <laughs> just thinking, oh, about 76, 77 kilos. I want to get snapped in half out here. <laughs> so I was a bit, uh, I was a bit rattled. Um, but then I just thought, which, which was sort of, part of my game that, you know, when you get the ball, don't mess around it for, with too, for too long. I, didn't, I never had, was blessed with much leg speed and, and I was never a big guy. So you've got to make, you know, quick decisions. So I had to sort of just try and, um, I guess, yeah, make, get rid of the ball quickly. But we played the Western Bulldogs. Um, we lost. It was a really tough year in 98, my first year. Um, had a lot of injuries to our senior players. So, um, I mean, I was very lucky to, 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 to play. I think it might have been nine games in my first year. I certainly didn't feel like I was ready to play AFL footy, I only played two league games for East Fremantle the year before. So to get that opportunity so early, I mean, I was very lucky and it probably helped fast-track my development somewhat. And over the next few seasons, you established yourself as one of the Lions' most influential players and one of the best midfielders in the competition. Was there someone at the club, a senior player or a coach, that really helped you along and had a big impact on your continued improvement early on? Yeah, um... Well, Craig Lambert was a, uh, a, uh, a player, a teammate of mine at that stage, and he, he was always really good with working with the young guys and, um, and doing extra training or just sort of helping you adjust to the city and just um, supporting you, really. Um, so he was a great mentor for us younger guys in that, in that sort of late 90s period for me, and then he went on to be our midfield coach too. So he was a fantastic help um, as a young fellow, as an 18, 19-year-old, and really befriended me and a lot of the other young guys from, a, from an early age, from early, you know, first few days at the club. So he was great. Um, a lot of the senior players were fantastic. Um, Vossi was very good to me from a young guy, young age. I mean, I, I wanted to be an inside midfielder and, you know, being 77 kilos isn't really conducive to being an inside mid in the AFL. So he, he sort of, you know, I, I did some, I did a fair bit of one-on-one training with him and, you know, just the old coach, the coach rolls the ball out and you fight for the footy and he would beat me. I think he beat me every single time, but I guess what I often say to young guys is that what I, what it helped me with was it enabled me to learn how to use my 77 kilos to the best of my ability, and that might be you know just keeping my feet so I stay in the contest. Um, he gets the ball, I get a chance of tackling him, and all those little things. So he he invested a lot of time in me, which I was very appreciative of. And then obviously the 2001 to 2003 period, so successful, as we all know. How do you compare the three premierships and how unique was this period, just the success that was going around at the club? Yeah, um, Riley, we're, I mean, we were blessed that, you know, Lee Matthews came to the footy club at um, the end of 98. Um, things quickly turned from 98 to 99. We, we made a prelim final and um, we actually went pretty close to making the grand final in in um in 99 
had a few injuries late in the season. Um, so Lee, uh, look, Lee sort of cleaned the club out a lot and got rid of some staff and players. And um, and we look, truth be told, we had a lot of more, better luck with injuries. Um, he did some things like he, he threw Justin Lepich and Jason Akamanis down back. Um, they were both all Australians that year. Um, he thought, you know, outside the square a little bit. Um, and I guess most importantly, what he was able to do, boys, is it, to sort of get the, the trust and the buy-in. And, um, and he's always been great at simplifying a message and delivering what he wants um, message-wise in a, in a really clear, concise, great way. And, um, you know, we were incredibly fortunate. Um, that, that 2001 year, um, been spoken about a lot, we... We played Essendon um, round nine or ten or whatever, and we sort of weren't really going that well at that stage. They were the reigning premiers. They'd lost once in 12 months. And, um, you know, we managed, managed to, to beat them at the Gabba that night. Um, and we sort of, we often talk a lot about it as well, watershed moments, I guess. And we lost to Carlton two weeks earlier um, at Princess Park and got thumped, severely thumped. And Leeds sort of had enough. Um, and kept us in the change rooms after the game for about an hour. Those tiny opposition change rooms at Princess Park. And he just sort of went through each player individually. And then he went through, um, you know, the, like each group, each line, and sort of said, you know, boys, I don't know how good you can be. But I said at the moment, we've got defenders that won't defend first. We've got uh, midfielders that only, you know, only concerned about getting the ball. They've got no accountability. And, and forwards that are only concerned about kicking a goal. They've got no defensive bone in their body and said, again, I don't know how good you can play, but I just know you're not fulfilling your capability as a group. And the penny started to drop with us. And I think what really changed for us then was that we um, we got sort of the bone from the players and the senior players really drove that. And, and at one point, it sort of got handed over from the coaching group, I felt, to the to the playing group. And that was um, became all, all powerful after that. And, um, and the belief started to build and um, away we went. And that period was also... So successful for yourself personally, winning the Yoto Brownlow as well as the Norm Smith the following year, which was probably one of the better grand final performances we've seen, not only in recent history, but ever. How do you reflect on those personal successes? Well, you, you've, I mean, some individual awards like that, you've got to, you've actually got to get them to, when you're, sorry, you, I guess you get them on the back of being part of a really strong side and, um, and that, that was certainly the case with me. You know, I, I mean, you don't see too many Brownlow medalists that play in, in, uh, in, in sort of bottom-ranked sides, even mid-tier mid sides. I guess Nate Fife might have done that last year and the odd person. But, you know, you've got to generally got to be right up there because you know, the nature of it, the votes go to the winning teams and whatever and all that. So and that's, that's not lost to me. I mean, Norm Smith medal is the same. You know, I, I play with some incredible players and um, I was lucky to, um, to get, you know, a couple of, great individual awards, I guess, along the way. But, um, you know, my, my, a lot of that's on the back of um, of, of playing in a great team, boys, and that sounds a little bit cliche, but, um, you know, I, I understand that's, um, that's sort of, um, yeah, kind of um, how it helped, I guess. And on Lee Matthews, you mentioned a few things before, but what do you think made him such a great and successful coach and how close to him were you? What kind of relationship did you share with him? Yeah, um, He's a man that has um, just great common sense. Um, you know, he speaks about percentages and making decisions around, you know, very strategically around obviously the percentage of a go this way versus a percentage based on another decision. And he, he, he did that um, incredibly well. He, he, as I said earlier, his ability to bring real clarity to something that might be somewhat complicated um, and just get the buy-in. And also when we had 
success one year, I guess he, he was able to keep our feet on the ground and continually get us to strive for individually for you know individual improvement. And then as a team, how can we continually improve? And um, he, he commanded respect. I mean, he's standing within the game. You know, I can, I, I remember like yesterday the amount of times where we're you know three quarter time and we're up against it. Um, having Lee in your box, he'd come down at, you know, three-quarter time, deliver a message to you. The belief that he'd create and give us and the confidence was, um, he, he couldn't understate it. He was um, a very, very, very powerful man for our playing group in, in lots of ways and brought enormous belief and confidence and would have loved to have got that fourth one, boys, but we, uh, we weren't quite good enough on the day, unfortunately. And he was well known for his strict coaching style, I suppose. Are there any big sprays that you remember vividly that you might have copped or the team? Um, sprays. Well, I remember. I remember after no when we were no good. <laughs> after um, might have been about oh five or oh six, and and it might have been oh five back end of the year, and and we sort of we climbed the mountain a few times, and we we're sort of obviously on the way down. I think we just. We dropped off pretty quick and it was just a training one day at Cooper Hill and he, he just sort of got all our senior guys over to the side and um, and sent everyone else home and he just, he, he tore strips off. He must have just thought, we, 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 you know, we weren't training hard enough on that particular day, but he, he had a lot of, lot of um, analogies or whatever and um, one of his great ones was he'd usually talk about the tip of the iceberg theory. Whereas, you know, the iceberg, you can see above the water a small amount, but what's actually going on below the water is far more significant. And he'd say that with behavioural um, things he'd see. And he'd use that all the time. Things like, you know, boys, you're at the club, you know, you might be at the footy club 20 hours a week. There's a lot more hours in the week when you're not here as opposed to when you actually are here. So, you know, how professional are you? If everyone's doing what you're doing, are we, are we better off or are we, are we going to be hindered? So... Um, all those little things that really are, are life lessons that um, the great coaches um, have that way about them. And, and Lee was certainly great that way. He, he obviously played under John Kennedy and um, the great John Kennedy and Alan Jeans. Um, and so uh, he, he, and he was a great man just himself, obviously, as well. So, yeah, very privileged to, to be coached by Lee Matthews. And also, Jared, you're obviously... A part of the Fab Four, as you were dubbed, your incredible midfield group. Can you give us an insight into that connection and also the chemistry off the field? Do you think that brought you closer at all because of your success? Yeah, boys, we, we were almost I used an analogy of like brothers in the backyard, I felt at times. We, we um, you know, um, you know, good teams take years to build because I think, you know, they were saying you sort of can't buy a premiership. Um, you know, some people might dispute that. I don't know, but um, you know, like it takes time relationships on and off the field. It takes um, several years to to gel and to get to know each other and become almost intuitive with each other. And I guess that that group of, in the midfield and you, you throw Luke Hart, Luke Power and Sean Hart in there and Brad Scott. And it went on. I guess the, the four of us. You know, they have we have that term described to us, but um, we, we we felt like uh, it was far bigger than that numbers wise. That midfield group and. We just like I mean I always sort of would get the boy. I knew there'd be someone pretty close by to give a handball to, and they'd get in your vision. And um, we had a really good mix of inside ball winning ability with spread and speed on the outside. And I think that we complemented each other really well. And it really did feel like we'd been um, you know playing together since we were kids. After a while, we just had that innate ability to know where each other were, and it was fantastic. You get to a stoppage, um, 
you know, the ball gets thrown up or thrown in from the boundary, thrown pretty quick. We'd sort of work out who's doing what pretty quick and we'd have our role sorted pretty smoothly. And it was a real, um, it was a real, real privilege to be a part of it. It was, um, yeah, it was quite amazing. I, I do, I must add though, we, we certainly, we got stitched up a couple of times by those West Coast boys in the midfield. They were pretty handy too. But um, yeah, no, it was, it was a pretty incredible um, midfield group to be part of. And you went on to become vice-captain of the club in 2004 and then one of four co-captains in 2007. Did you always aspire to become a leader in some capacity or was it something that just eventuated and you didn't think too much about? Uh, ben, look, I think when, I, when, when, sorry, when we won the premierships and uh, you know, around that sort of 2004, 2005, a lot of the older guys um, you know, retired and, or started to retire and so... I think naturally in your sort of mid twenties, you become um, you become having more. You feel like your ownership of the footy club, um, and with that, um, you know, yeah, you, you you have real care about it. And certainly for me, um, being a Perth boy and um, coming across and having that success after that success, I, you know, I didn't want to go anywhere. I felt real ownership of the club and responsibility is trying to keep us up, up at a certain level and. Uh, when a lot of those older guys retired. So, um, yeah, for me, guys, I, I really, really embraced that um, ownership of the club and um, that leadership role and, and working with the younger guys below me coming forward, coming through. So, um, yeah, it was, it was uh, something I really enjoyed. And unfortunately, we couldn't quite um, scale the heights once again, but um, it, was, it, was a, it was a great journey all the same after those sort of glory years, if you like. Just want to take this opportunity to remind you about our sponsor, Kerber Cricket. You can head to their Instagram or online store for all your cricketing needs and some great deals. And then in 2012, you played your 300th game and became the first player to win a Norm Smith Brownlow and the Premiership Medal at the Lions. It must have been a pretty incredible night and very proud of yourself to achieve something such as this. Sorry, right, cut it out then a bit. Did you say the 300 games? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was. It was amazing, mate. I mean, again, I, it's not something I ever expected. My, my body was very good to me. I. I think um, some players can come into the to the system and um, feel like they, uh, um, you know, they belong and you know they're going to have a long career and that they're sort of made for to play playing AFL footy. That that certainly wasn't me, and um, it took me a long time to get the you know the, the belief that I, I could have a. Um, a longest career in the AFL, so that that was a real, um, you know, special night for me when I was able to reach that milestone. And um, yeah, it was I guess confirmation that I, I sort of all the work I put in as a young guy and throughout my career. Um, yeah, I guess it was a proud moment. Um, and uh, we didn't win though; we got flogged by Geelong again. <laughs> but uh, no, it was it was a special it was a special night all the same. And then the following year, you uh, had a very good game against Geelong with the, the miracle on grass, as it's called. Um, what are your memories of that? What was it like to be a part of that game? Yeah, that was amazing. I mean, obviously, Ash McGrath's 200th game and to get the ball in his hand so late. Um, it, it's sort of like, I was watching it recently, actually, um, on Fox Footy and just how, we, how the, ga- the goals just sort of kept, kept coming and how Geelong almost just let us kick these sort of... Uh, yeah, they sort of dropped away obviously with their defence, and um, we found a way to get back. And then, and then just that last sixteen or seventeen seconds, how we transitioned the ball from one end to the other was just, uh, yeah, it was amazing. So obviously one of my favourite games to be a part of. Um, wasn't a final or anything, but to be so out of it and then and then get back and 
for Ashes 200, who, who'd been such a great clubman, um, was a special night. And for him to go back and kick that goal, I mean, oh, it's what dreams are made of, right? <laughs> yeah, it was amazing. And at the end of the 2013 season, you announced your retirement from the game. How tough a decision was this for you? And how did you, how did you find the transition into life after football initially? Yeah, so I wanted to play another season. Um, uh, I had knee surgery, just a clean up of my knee. And um, the surgeon basically said, he came in after it and said, look, if you, um, he said, there's a lot more going on in your knee than the, the scan suggested. And, if you want to be active in your 40s and 50s, you said football, you know, you've really got to think about it. And as soon as you said that, I, I kind of I was like, um, yeah, took a deep breath and um, and it was, I kind of knew what decision I had to make. Um, it was really incredibly hard. I, it probably took me six weeks to actually say the words that I'm not going to play again. So I had to think about it for a while. But um, yeah, that was that was really hard. You know, you when you love something so much um, from a very young age, it's very difficult to have to say goodbye to it um, and I guess I was lucky to be able to then go on and coach for a few years at the Lions and that helped with the transition no doubt about that and then um, our little academy program that I'm involved with now that's um, that's sort of taken my time too so I've been lucky to still keep involved with footy um, along the way as well. I understand you had a bit of a tendency to be late to meetings because you couldn't walk past anyone who said hello to you without having a conversation with them. Any comment on this? And did this ever get you into any trouble? <laughs> I don't know about that one. It's probably late because I was just late getting there in the car. Um, <laughs> actually, I used to try to cut it fine. Um, I used to. Um, I used to. I used to pride myself on walking into a meeting about a minute before it started, which probably wasn't good. But uh, yeah, now sometimes I'd be a bit late. Um, yeah, no, look, I, I don't know about that one. Saying good day, um, nah, I don't know. Maybe where'd you get yeah. that one from? <laughs> got it, got it from uh, Mick Close. Mick Close, right? Okay, okay. Yeah. Um, maybe I don't know. He, he might have a better memory <laughs> than I can. <laughs> <laughs> More serious now. Obviously, this year was incredibly special for you being inducted into the Hall of Fame. Can you, it was obviously a bit of a different experience, experience given everything that's going on at the moment. But can you take us into the emotions on that night? Yeah, um, well, it was yeah pretty obviously an enormous uh, um, honour and um, again something I never certainly expected. So um, yeah, I was incredibly proud and. Um, yeah, I was very lucky. And again, I mean, it's, it's um, you know, as, as our coach, Lee Matthews, used to say to us, he said, boys, your individual reputation is enhanced on the back of team success. And that's why it's so important to buy into, um, you know, into your individual roles for the side because it ultimately helps you get um, team success. And again, individually, your reputation is enhanced on the back of that. So some of those things that echo in your mind from Lee, um, um, still we all we still all carry that with us these days. So, but no, it was it was a great honour, and um, again, I was very lucky in my body, and very very fortunate. Got drafted the Lions when I did, and um, and play for as long as I did. But no, it was it was a, it was a great honour. And the the Simon Black uh, Australian Rules Academy that you've mentioned, you founded that in 2016. Can you tell us a bit about that and what it aims to achieve? Yeah, but yeah, so we're, we're an education program first and foremost, um, tailored to the an AFL the rules program around that. So um, we're partnered with Torrens University and uh, um, 
our, our students do a diploma in sports development in their first year, which then runs on, into a Bachelor of Business in Sports Management in the second and third years. Um, so it's, it's, we've got a great partnership with Torrens. They're fantastic. Um, so it's been a, it's been a, a really, uh, really cool um, program to be a part of. Um, the AM part of our day is our football um, slash athletic program, whether it's on field, you know, skills and drills um, or whether it's in the gym, um, you know, doing strength training or what have you. So we sort of mix it up. Um, we have males and females, um, and uh, so it's tailored being a university for school leaver age bracket. And we have programs in Perth, one in Perth, Adelaide, um, Melbourne, and Brisbane. Um, so yeah, it's been uh, putting your name to something. It's um, it's uh, I've, look, I've really enjoyed it. It's been it's been a lot of fun. Um, it's it's a, we have a diverse mix of um, capabilities football wise. Um, some very experienced guys. We've had. Um, Tom Murphy from North Melbourne come through our program, which was which was really cool. Um, and we've got some really inexperienced guys. We've got some great coaches and mentors. We've got Gary O'Donnell, former Essendon captain. He runs our, our Perth program along with Kelly Gibson. Um, uh, and we've got um, Richard Douglas helping out in Adelaide. Um, uh, Michael Barlow in, in Melbourne. And um, Nathan Clark and myself um, help run Brisbane. So, uh, yeah, it's been, been a great program. Um, you know, academy program to be a part of and you've obviously been very busy post your footy life namely when you went on survivor can you take us into this experience and how tough it was is it as tough as it seems on tv yeah it was it was that was a um an amazing experience Riley. i loved it mate absolutely loved it um it's it's pretty real like in terms of reality shows they don't um they don't need to I mean, the nature of survival, I guess, you know, the lying, the deceitfulness, the skullduggery that goes on, they, they don't really need to, um, uh, you know, to um, producers make things up, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Um, you, you, you've got uh, um, small amounts of food. Um, you've got rice and beans to, to get through three or four days before it gets topped up again. You know, they, I guess they want to deplete you of energy, mate. And so that's... Uh, it's certainly very challenging and sleeping in a shelter that you built yourself on the floor and um, you, you get you get cold and I'm uh, going to keep your fire alive because you've out fire, you don't get food and all those sort of things. It's, um, it's, it's a great experience. And then, you know, the game element of it, the game element of it and the strategy involved is, um, is really interesting and something that I loved. I mean, I was, I enjoyed the game, sorry, the show Survivor um, before the game going out and then um, um, I wasn't what you'd call a super fan um, but experiencing it um, I, I love it I mean I absolutely love it I'll do it again tomorrow it was an amazing experience and um, and I feel very grateful I mean the challenges that they, they make the amount of work that goes into making those challenges is just phenomenal um, and so to be able to participate in those uh, met some great people out there as well and um, yeah it was just a just a bloody great experience, mate. And just to finish off, in summary, how do you reflect on your AFL career and everything that you've achieved now that you've had quite a few years to look back on it? Yeah, Ben, I'm very grateful, mate. That's the overarching, overwhelming feeling I have. Um, I just feel very grateful to have been drafted to the Lions and um, be a part of... Um, you know, that great team success we had, which was a long time ago, mind you now, um, but to um, to come to a, a club, um, you know, it was only the second year of its merge and um, 
that journey in the early days as a, as a, of, of the club was amazing. Um, and then, um, yeah, just the great people I was a part of. And um, probably, I probably actually enjoyed playing in a non-traditional AFL state and, you know, going about your business and um, not having to talk, you know, football all the time and, you know, you go to a cafe and or whatever and having to be talking about the game all the time. I think that's valuable to, to play your footy up here in that regard, if, um, probably for, for some personalities anyway. And I really, really enjoyed that. And, you know, let's be honest, we're pretty lucky. You've got the Gold Coast and Airways, Sunshine Coast and Airways. It's a pretty good lifestyle up here. So, um, yeah, I feel very fortunate, mate, to have been drafted the Lions and, um, and be a part of a great club and met so many wonderful people um, throughout my journey at the Lions over, over the time I was there. So, um, yeah, very grateful. And obviously, Queensland footy's booming at the moment. The Lions are going very well and they started that last year and the Suns are on the rise. And also, the grand final announced at the Gabba today. How do you see that all playing out and the rise of football in Queensland? Yeah, what a massive day it's been for Queensland footy, right? It's, uh, it's a massive day up here, obviously. We're all very excited for the announcement from Gillen that uh, we're going to get the grand final. Um, you know, and it's, it's going to be great for the game. Um, you know, I think, you know, the AFL invested a lot of money up here with, with the Lions and, of course, the Suns, um, a developing market. Um, you know, and being able to, this freak situation, having to... Um, be able to get the opportunity to keep the game, the season going, um, has has um, been great for the for the game up here. You know, it's it's, it's a generational thing that to you know for us to become a you know rock solid AFL um, strong city or state. Um, you know, we are a rugby league heartland up here, and it takes time. You know, it takes several generations for that to move, and I've seen it shift a lot in twenty years. But it's going to take a you know a lot more time to. Um, to really get ourselves entrenched up here where the AFL is number one game. Um, if it ever happens, um, you know, the, the, the Kira Mail, a local newspaper up here, I think it's owned by um, a company that owns the Broncos, I think. So, um, you know, it's, um, it's hard to get AFL on the back page of the paper and get too much coverage up here. But, um, you know, getting this, getting the, the, uh, the marquee game for the year uh, is, a, is an enormous... Um, thing for football in this state and we're, we're pretty pumped so looking forward to um, the next few weeks well Simon that's all we've got for you thank you very much for your t- time and congratulations on everything you've achieved in football and life that wraps us up for another episode of the podcast thanks, thanks again to ben. Simon thanks, for his time we really you, appreciate and, it and all the best with that thanks with for podcast. listening and stay tuned thanks. for more episodes thank, thank you thank you